Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today we have a pretty fun interview for you guys. Um, we do our typical introduction, so I won't go into too much detail right now, but we've got three amazing guests who are founders of a fashion brand called Casanova, and these guys, the energy with these guys is phenomenal. They are young, they're in their early 20s, and they are kicking major ass. Um, Salvatore, Luca, and Angelo with Discover Casanova. And we go through their whole story. It, it started, you know, like many stories do with an idea. And they went through all the trials and tribulations of trying to find a manufacturer, trying to get samples made, learning what works and what doesn't. And as we've titled the episode of this show, you'll hear us talk about it a little bit in the interview, A Hundred Ways how to not start a fashion brand. They are super transparent and they share all the stuff that they learned and the things that went wrong and what did and didn't work. And I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear from these three guys. They are vibrant and young and they have so much energy and passion for what they're doing. They're tremendously hardworking and I know that they're going to share tons of insights for you as well as just a lot of inspiration and good energy. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, a quick heads up before we get into the interview. I want to tell you about something that keeps coming up from a lot of listeners out there over and over. I keep hearing from people who say, oh, Heidi, the podcast is great. I've been listening for years and I just now discovered that you have all this other content. I, you know, heard it once and then I started hearing it more and more and I realized I don't really talk about that content on the podcast. And so for a lot of you who have maybe just discovered this on iTunes or through Google and fashion podcasts, you may just think that SFD is just a podcast. And while the podcast is a big part of what I do with Successful Fashion Designer, it is also just a tiny portion. So I'm sorry I didn't tell you this sooner because I have hundreds of free tutorials, templates, and books on things like using Adobe Illustrator for fashion, creating tech packs, getting your first or next freelancing client, landing your dream fashion job, and more. And most of these resources are for free. Now, my free stuff, I put loads of effort and and work into and I've gotten great feedback from people that they've used my free content to land their dream job to launch their fashion brand to create a portfolio that gets them an an amazing interview so I want to share all this resource all this content and resources with you so here's what I did I put together my best free content just for you as a podcast listener to help you get ahead in your fashion career. And I would love to email it to you right now. So here's what you can do. Take 30 seconds, hit pause right now in this episode, and go to SoHeidi.com slash email for instant access to my best free stuff. Again, that's SoHeidi, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. I promise you're going to love all the stuff that I send you and it's going to be super, super helpful. So as always, the access to the show notes are available by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And now let's jump into the interview with the team from Casanova. Welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, So we have three guests here today. I will just throw it out there. This is our first show with three guests. We've had some with two. Um, So this is going to be really exciting to chat with all three of you guys. Um, Why don't We start with getting a quick introduction from each of you about who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Okay, great. My name is Salvatore Grassi. I am a 24-year-old designer, uh, as well as the the owner of the brand Casanova. Um, We started out this venture just several years ago, and it was something out of of passion, something out of a hobby, um, which quickly turned into... Um, something that started to gain traction and which led us to perform our first ever fashion show just this Saturday at uh, LA Fashion Week, which is very, very exciting. I am Luca Gracci. I am a 22-year-old designer slash co-founder of uh, Casanova. Um, 
we brought this company into a more serious, more professional level, I think, over the past two years. And, yeah, that's really it. <laughs> I'm Angelo Cuista. I'm also a designer, co-founder, co-owner of Casanova. Uh, the beauty of having three people interview is that the first two guys have all the answers and the third one is repeating. <laughs> okay, right? That's why we just keep it rolling. Um, yeah, no, but we did start this uh, several years ago. We did a lot of research. And it did start with Javi uh, being pretty good, uh, at least what we believe to be very good stylists. Um, and since we are deeply rooted in our Italian culture, we decided to, of course, make this brand a more serious venture. Uh, and by going back to our roots, and having all of our clothing be made in Italy and imported uh, globally. Amazing. And Angelo, I'm going to put you on the spot with your age because these two other very fine young gentlemen oh. told us they're they're very low number. <laughs> <laughs> Mine isn't uh, that high compared to theirs. I'm 25. Oh, okay. So yeah, you guys are all super age. young. Oh, I love this. This is yeah. great. Um, okay, so... Who wants to start talking a little bit about, like, where was this born? You said it, you've been running it for a couple years. Like, take us back to the very beginning, and how did this, how did Casanova start, and, and how did this all kick off? I mean, uh, I guess I'll start it off, because I was the one that first made the introductionary call to Angelo. Um, I was actually working at the time. I was helping out my father. I was just the... Uh, I was I believe it was around my 22nd birthday, 21st, 22nd birthday. And uh, I made the call to Angel. I'm like, you might think we're, I'm crazy here, but I think we should definitely pursue uh, more interest in fashion and start our own line. And without even a second thought, he's like, okay, where do we start? <laughs> so um, we dived right in. Uh, we didn't spare any days off and uh, just, it was more research and development. That was the definitely that was the hardest part for us. Yeah, getting into um, the space where we previously had never been in. I'd say for for anyone starting anything, that's the 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 most difficult step. So yeah. after we started that, the second hardest step was trying to source the manufacturing, which we had set a very high standard for. We consider ourselves to be like a street luxury blend um, with very, very premium fabrics sourced all throughout Italy. Uh, we manufacture actually at different facilities because depending on their specialties and their special techniques, we, we produce different things in different locations. Um, so I, I guess I'll start it off with that. And Angela, I'm sure has time more to say here. <laughs> So, I mean, Sal did, I mean, uh, hit it right on the head. He reached out to me. If he was 22, 23, uh, 21, 22, better said, I was 22 or 23 at the time. And I was doing the exact opposite of, you know, this fashion creative world. I was actually like a junior accountant in an equity fund. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Very opposite. Yeah. We did, a, we did like a, a little 180 uh, on that one. Um, but he made the phone call. I didn't hesitate. Uh, like we said, we actually were like joking about starting a fashion line when we were in high school. So the fact that it came back to us like many, a few years later was phenomenal, <laughs> if you will, because it means that like, I never stopped thinking about it. He never stopped thinking about it. And we said, why not? Let's pursue it, uh, more professionally. Yeah. Uh, the biggest hurdle, like he said, was finding, uh, the right avenue and really like the right niche because you know fashion is uh, a broad spectrum you know you can have more serious classical designs and styles like suits for example then you can have more like athleisure style or you can have this more like street luxury style which is what we are really pushing forward um, and to jump off of that, I'll let Luca take over about the street luxury where that we ended up going with. Well, hold on. So Luca, before, right. before you dive in, Luca, I want to, yep. I kind of want to learn a little more about, so there was a phone call and it's like, let's do this. And all of a sudden you're doing it. Um, 
what was that mm-hmm. actually like? Like, where did you even begin with the customer research and the, um, you know, like you said, finding your niche and figuring out what you were really going to do? Did you keep working your full-time jobs and were just kind of doing this on the side for a year? Like, I really want to know, because I think for a lot of people out there listening, they have an idea, um, much like you guys did, but it's like, how do you actually start with that customer research process oh, and my. figure it out? Okay, um, so it, big risks yield big rewards. At okay. the end of the day, we firmly believe that. And um, yeah, it's True. very, very cliche, but we, so how we work is we, we really submerged ourselves into social media. Okay. Uh, we started really looking at the ins and outs of every single fashion page, what was in, what was not, what was relevant, what was trending, uh, what people wanted to see. Uh, a lot of our... I guess resources at the time were strictly social media based. Whereas now we have, I would say a very solid network of, of friends and family that are willing to support professional. seasoned professionals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, manufacturers. Yeah. We have a showroom in Manhattan. Um, we have friends out in LA in Italy, Tokyo. We're, we're slowly pushing, I guess the, the network that we've had, but all that was possible because we, we, we spent enough time putting aside what we thought was necessary to start the project. Okay. So at first we didn't quite quit our day jobs. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> whereas now we have, I think it's been six months now. Almost. Oh, awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. So, you know, pulling the trigger there was definitely the hardest thing we've ever had to do. Yeah. Um, but now we are, just, I guess you could say living a dream here. Um, yeah. We've only got started and we're getting a lot of feedback. And especially since our first show, um, it, it has really helped us set the direction that we want to get into. Um, as far as the look and the vision, we've always had that sweet luxury. So elevated look to our own, I, I guess, outfits every single day. It's, that's something that we wanted to, um, I guess, really tailor our our aesthetic towards gotcha. um, everything from the, the website over to the content that we create um, is tailored for that specific aesthetic. Okay. Gotcha. And so, so you started out doing a tremendous amount of social media research and is that really kind of what drove you kind of deciding, I mean, obviously you said you have this, this Italian background and you knew you wanted to be elevated sort of luxury streetwear. So you had some direction and vision, but you refined that through just looking at what was out there on social media and trending in the industry. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then then the next step was definitely getting a lot of cold calls. Like we would have to, we had no network. (laughs) Yeah. So we didn't have any uh, connections in anything period. Two and a half years ago, not at all. We, we didn't even, even know a common photographer. Yeah. And what we did was we would find on social media, specifically in, influencers, um, we would just, I guess, send out massive amounts of emails to everybody. And maybe 1% of them got back to us, literally mm-hmm. out of 100 emails, maybe yeah, we got back three it. or four. Yeah, I believe it. And, and we would start from there. And, and nothing, all the, the, the dead ends that we hit, uh, we're never really dead ends. It was just one other thing not to do. Yeah. And uh, one thing led to the next. One person introduced us to another person because we also consider ourselves very social people, very, very warm family people. And people, I guess, uh, vibe with that. Yeah, vibe with yeah. that, understood that. So um, it led us to growing our network. Okay. And what kind of people were you trying to connect with? I know you said influencers, but like, what were you really, what was your goal in sort of talking to them? Were you trying to find factories? Were you trying to get their feedback on designs? Like, what were you, what was your goal of reaching out to all these cold, these cold emails and cold calls? So honestly, it was like a a blend of, of both things plus some extra. So when we were cold calling, we were looking for, you know, models or influencers in specifically in the fashion world, you know, you can find an influencer on Instagram that can have a blog about anything, you know, about food, mm-hmm. about travel. I mean, of course, we were looking more specifically for fashion industry, right? That only made sense. Uh, and then by sending out like these cold calls or these cold emails, like I was saying, we only get 1% of a response rate. Yeah. But whenever we got the response rate, we would jump right on it. Like, we'd meet them anywhere. Were they downtown in Manhattan? Okay, <laughs> we'll shoot down in Manhattan. Were they on the Upper West Side? Not a problem. Were they out of state? Okay, let's drive out of state, you know? 
Uh, I mean, it, it took what it took, you know. Yeah. That's how you how you grow your network, and just by meeting up with these people, we learned a little bit, uh, like a small lesson every day, you know, whether like. I'm a good model here, but my friend is a better model in Italy and he can actually connect you with some of his friends that have like a small factory, you know? So like, that's just like a small example of how our network got us to right. where we are today, just by making friends, you know, and just being slightly sociable and, and warm to people, okay. you know, they really vibe with that and they give it the energy back to us. Thank yeah. God, you know, we're blessed. Yeah, no, you know? it does. It, it's, it's often a friend of a friend got me here. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you were reaching out to like a lot of models and some photographers and stuff. So at this point, do you already have some samples? No, okay, so you want to answer what, do you, what are you referring to as samples? I mean, like, like of the clothing? Like, of the clothing to actually like do some shoots. I think I'm feeling a little lost as, you know, you had this idea, of you course. did customer research on social media, and now all of a sudden you're like finding models, and I'm wondering like, okay, where are the clothes and what are we doing with these models at this point? So at that point, we had a few ideas and a few designs uh, they were like sketch, sketches and drawings, you know, we didn't have any sa like true blue, like physical touch samples okay. at that point. Okay. So that's when we were starting to ask these models if they had any friends, uh, who knew like any factories in Italy who oh. could manufacture high quality pieces, Okay. you know? So like we had to like kind of push to connect the dots, you know, it wasn't, okay. uh, just, the. Uh, Actually, you know, and everything just falls. <laughs> so the goal was you know? not necessarily to find a model. It was more like this could be my link to the factory, to the fabric supplier. Yeah, right. Okay, understand. Along with, along with I, I guess you could say, I guess you could say that we weren't necessarily, we didn't know exactly what that person could offer us. Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to know, hey, you know, um, you're doing a great job. You're in the sphere. You're, you're in the game. Who exactly do you know? Mm. Why do you know them? How can they help? Would they be willing to help? You know, so uh, we kind of just had our open arms and said, hey, help us out with anything. Yeah. Whatever you can offer, <laughs> you know, we'll take with open arms. And, and then and then at the, the next step was, of course, going out to Italy. I get, okay. I, again, the uh, first thing went four times. To yeah, we, we went to, we went four different trips to Italy to find the right, factory where we are today okay talk uh, a little a lot bit of about people, that yeah yeah so <laughs> i guess we were having difficulty trying to find the the right factory in italy through the, the web right. um i guess not a lot of them have a platform where it's just easily able to to find them or to connect with them or right. etc so what we did was we had to literally go from one friend to another friend which met another friend then one factory recommended another factory so it was a long list of people we went through. We did it the old way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we did it the only way you would have done it 50 years ago. Before the um, internet. <laughs> before the internet. So just because they don't believe in the internet as much. Because these are like old school factories. Yeah, no, you know? I so can it's imagine. Not like they websites set up where we can just Google it and then press the uh, yeah, like, pops up in our face. So we have to go the old fashioned way. So I, I guess you could say once that, once we had samples back and forth and we were displeased, again, it's very hard to to brush it off and keep going. A lot of people would either quit or try to find an alternative solution. We have we're very stubborn in certain aspects that we want that we know we can achieve what we wanted to achieve. So we kept pushing. It took many more months, uh, almost a year, and finally we had samples that we were proud of that we wanted to put the name behind. Once we had the samples, the next hardest step was how do we obtain exposure? Um, we were learning at that time uh, about Facebook Ad Manager, Google AdWords, a lot of social media um, campaigns in general. Mm -hmm. And then we came across the influencer campaigns. Now, the influencer campaigns is when we started launching, uh, connecting with many, many different um, influencers of different, which, of different levels of different tiers also of, uh, of different interests they overlapped a lot but they had a very dynamic range of um, of viewers 
So we connected with them, had them take shots, post it, tag us, which we thought was going to have uh, yield great rewards. And it did no such, no such thing. Not even, <laughs> it wasn't even, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, uh, as bad as it sounds, it was kind of upsetting. Yeah, yeah it was really extremely upsetting. We expected it to, to be like this huge influx to create this huge hype around it. And again, that's the reason why we use like different tier and different level influencers, you know, yeah. uh, you could compare relatively say like a list influencer down to like B or C list influencer. Yeah. You know? Like we had some solid names too, you know, um, Okay, anyone hold, with hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to get, yeah. I want to get to this. I want to talk so much about the influencer stuff because I think this is really fascinating. I want to learn exactly like how you guys did it, what that looked like. But I want to. We're we're moving forward so quickly. I want to rewind a little bit yeah. to the the sample sure. and development process because I know, like you said, it took a yeah. year to get samples that you were happy with, and I know this is like a big yeah. hurdle and a big struggle for a lot of people. So, can you talk a little bit more about what were some of the challenges during that process and how did you solve those? to ultimately get to something you were really pleased and you wanted to put the name on and you wanted to stand behind? Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so, um, so for example, yeah, it was very good, yeah. There was two big uh, hurdles that we had to come over. It was, one was, could the factory produce the quality pieces that we wanted to? And two, could they do it in a timely manner? You know, we, we always wanted to be uh, a fashion house who could produce high-quality pieces in relatively quick times. And when I say quick, I mean, that again, relative to a lot of other companies. Um, so that, that was the biggest, <laughs> the biggest challenge for us. You know, we visited two or three factories uh, in one trip alone. And we thought we had found a good fit, but they couldn't get access to the, the higher end fabrics that we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And if they could, mm -hmm. they weren't used to handling them. Yeah. You know, for example, as silly as it may sound, silk is a very high in quality, as we all know, mm -hmm. uh, high, high quality fabric and textile, but it takes a special hand to machinery yeah. and machinery yeah. to form like a, a piece to, to stitch you know two pieces of silk together for example right yeah. you know, uh, so it, 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 i mean at the end of the day it, it was very challenging to get a, very challenging to get a wide array of fabrics that we wanted to deal with because anyone could work with cotton uh, most people could work with cotton most people could work with uh denims and bundo milanos and 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 just uh, polyesters and polyamids but what we, we had a specific blend of fabrics that we wanted to incorporate into our designs. And a lot of them were either saying they, they could deliver, but they never actually delivered mm -hmm. to the standard that we wanted. Because the stitching, at the end of the day, the quality of the fabric could be great if the pieces, that, if the stitching that binds everything together falls apart or isn't mm -hmm. up to par, it devalues the entire silhouette. Yeah. So. A lot, a lot of these elements had to come together in order for, for us to, to give it the stamp of approval, in a sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, any, and like specifically, what other challenges that we had with manufacturing? I mean, we traveled all over Italy. <laughs> yeah, so did you just, like, you just kind of kept tr like yeah. trying new factories and pushing yeah, them and yeah. trying to get, make adjustments, and it's just a big trial and error process. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's very discouraging, especially since we're very young. And we're trying to, like, find ourselves also in this world, you know, wherever you, you want to call it a quarter-life crisis, go ahead. But, like, after <laughs> a trip, <laughs> we, we, we would have a trip and we come back from a trip and we feel like we're still at zero. Yeah. And we're like, well, we just spent so much money. We spent so much time and effort into going into these different factories and places and yet we're still at zero. So yeah. what do we do? Can I but, ask you how, know, you, so, how you were funding things um, throughout this whole process? Yeah, so... We so, were like we were still like, during our day jobs. Okay. Yeah. At that point, so we would save up money. Yeah. <laughs> the old fashioned way, save up money, <laughs> and then take time off. There was sick days or vacation days. <laughs> yeah. To then fly out. Yeah. Okay. To Italy just to find more factories, you know, and go from region to region and city to city. Yeah. To then hopefully hit and connect with the right factory. Ultimately, yeah. we did. Yeah. Um. It, it took some time. Sure. Yeah, you know, it definitely took some time. 
So you self-funded it all through just your day job and saving, and then pretty much like all your money just went yeah. into making this work. Well, luckily, I guess you could say at this age, if you're smart about it, um, we had day jobs, so we didn't have that many expenses, you know. So uh, we were able to pocket a lot of what we were making, right. and we, did the we just made at home. So yeah, we, we, we you know, we still we still live at home. You know, we're, we're still young. We don't have that many expenses. Oh yeah, the, yeah. okay, gotcha. Stuff. Okay. You know, so we, we we were, I guess you could call it, but we were very lucky. And also we were, we were responsible. You know, we weren't the type of kids or people that were just spending every paycheck they had and always left at zero. So we, we definitely saved up quite a bit. And then um, it was just harder to get the vacation time. In a sense. <laughs> we definitely could have taken one long trip and spent like two months in Italy. But we couldn't do that. We, we were still working. So we had to do like five days at a time. Yeah. And it was like the most five days, the most stressful five days. And it's grueling yeah. days. I mean, it still is. It sounds going to Europe and doing international flights and international trips. I mean, if, if you've traveled, you know, you need at least two weeks to like truly Recover. enjoy it. But going oh, yeah. like three to five days is a rough one. It's like your body just learns to adapt to times. I remember... Yeah, I remember one time we found this really um, inexpensive flight, <laughs> and um, but it had two layovers. She's like, oh, how bad could it actually be? <laughs> and um, <laughs> this is actually a hilarious story. No, oh my God, like we, it was a four day trip to Italy. Okay, so five days including the the, the, the travel back and, forth. back and forth, but we spent an entire day essentially traveling. So yeah. it was only four days that we were in Italy and we woke up at like seven o'clock in the morning because we had special appointments with these people at specific times. And we were back to back, like just, we were destroying ourselves. We were zombies when we came back. I we were in Italy, so abundant. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just running. Yeah. Um, and you guys are young. Um, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so you did all this time the, the this uh all these trips and and trial and error with the factories and like you said some trips you came back and you just felt like we did we're still at zero which is very defeating but you kept going and then after a year you had um some samples and you were ready to sort of get some stuff out there on influencers and um it didn't work that great but i want to learn a little more about what did that actually look like? Did you, were you doing that sort of cold emailing again, like you had done initially? And, and what does it look like to work with an influencer? Do you just send them the garment and say, Hey, wear this and post it and tag us? Like, what is this all? How does this all actually work? Technically both. I mean, we were trying to cold call influencers ourselves and we would never get a response back. So then we started like doing some backend research again and like how to contact influencers as silly as it sounds. And then ultimately like, we came across Googling our... that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Really, yeah. It, it sounds, I mean, it, I guess you could say this is kind of embarrassing because not a lot of people have a, a sort of story like ours where it's just so basic and minimal and almost childlike, but we always sourced, we, we always started off with Google yeah. 100% as yeah. you, you know, such an asset. Such a, yeah, such a tool for us, seriously. Um, again, it would still lead nowhere, but it would lead us to something that could possibly be a viable solution. Mm -hmm. So what we did at that point was when Google was no success, we found PR companies. We found, we reached out to, to many different ones where we filtered it down to one. Then this PR company that we had at the time, which we are no longer with, uh, reached out to... I guess a package of influencers. Now with these, we had top tier and then we had just basic low tier influencers. Smaller. Smaller yeah. Sure. Uh, where we would create an influencer agreement between the company as well as themselves or their manager, whoever was dealing the account. And we would ship out the product uh, in exchange for uh, one, two, three images based on the agreement um, where they would tag us and then they would ship the product back. Now oh. that took, of course, about three months time because between the agreements, uh, not everybody, the turnaround time for an email is the same day. Sometimes it took even a week to get a reply back. Mm -hmm. So um, we were international influencers, so time zones do play a effect in that as well. Yeah. So this, this is definitely where we spent a, a larger 
time, a larger amount of time as well as a larger amount of money. Yeah, um, I was going to say PR agencies are not cheap. And then, hold on, if the influencer is mailing the item back, do you actually compensate them with cash or what? Yeah, no, yeah, we would, we, we, we paid them all. Oh, we you paid, paid. Them all, yeah. Wow, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, so that was it expensive. Was, it was definitely, so uh, again, we hit a wall. Like we were not given the best advice. Um, and we definitely were, that was the worst mistake we had made financially uh, us up till now of uh, yeah. 100%. No shame in saying that. But yeah, hey, it, it gave happens. us a lot of feedback. It yeah. we gave us a lot of feedback. At the end of the day, it was a learning lesson. You it, know? It, yeah. It was for because you learned from it. You know? Yeah. So. We're learning. So far, we've learned 100 ways to not create a fashion brand. <laughs> so we're still- I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to like title that. the pot. That's going to be the title of this episode, I think. I, that's perfect. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, so it totally fell flat. Like, it just didn't work. Yo, Why? It just didn't. Oh, my God. You have no idea how discouraging <laughs> that was. Oh, God. Yeah, that, that was really bad. Especially since we were not promised, because we never promise you anything. But right. we were definitely told where... Led to believe that... We were led well, to believe that it was going to have a X amount of results, both mm. in reach and impressions, you know, and so on Instagram specifically. Uh, people would have targeted the website. People have would have Google searched our name, mm. blah, blah, blah. And it was a complete disaster. Let's put it that way. And then keep it light, you know, what ended up happening actually was after we switched our social media handle to create a more mainstream approach because Casanova at the end of the day is a very common handle used mm-hmm. on whether it's a website, whether it's social media, Facebook, name, yeah. nickname, right. So we, we created Discover Casanova, uh, Discover being the action, Casanova obviously being the brand. And we did it, we streamlined the website as well as uh, Instagram and Facebook to be Discover Casanova. So essentially, all of that influencer campaign that we created was a complete and total failure because we switched the handles so the influencer that tagged us had the old handle anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Again, a lot of little technical things that you would think, <laughs> oh, it does, it can't be that bad, right? But when you're in it and you're behind it, it, it can actually be a quite of a mess, as, as silly as it sounds. Yeah, you know? yeah. a lot of back end yeah. stuff. Um, okay, so so now we're at 101 ways not to start a fashion brand. And um, <laughs> where, where are we at the timeline? Like, roughly, when did this whole? When did you end this? When did this sort of influencer campaign, you know, kind of fall on its face? And then what happens next? Uh, okay, so the influencer campaign was about I'd say about a year. Uh, about a year. Okay. Yeah, about a year ago. I would say twelve to uh, fourteen to twelve months ago. Okay, so way. about um, and this episode's going to air in the fall, so about March ish of two thousand eighteen. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so then what? So, okay, so yeah, then what? What <laughs> happened was, uh, okay. we we were we were both hit financially as well as completely considering like what are we doing what should we be doing i think after the influencers we decided to re i reconsolidate re-identify the entire brand from website to social media presence to marketing to marketing approaches to design etc yeah so we can maximize our exposure and leverage the resources that we have and you know try to yeah. Maximize reach to yeah. the to our target audience. Yeah. So after that complete loss, we were disgusted with what was happening with the results. So we took it upon ourselves and spent about I would say a month or two um, with YouTube again as YouTube, YouTube and Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, we 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 took it upon ourselves to learn all of the Adobe softwares. Yeah. So we took we obviously the basics of Photoshop. We took Lightroom, oh, we took yeah. Illustrator, After yeah. Effects, Premiere, yeah. all of these that help create really high-quality content. <laughs> now, a very good friend of ours, again, through this journey, uh, introduced to by one of our people that we cold-called, 
was a very good photographer, a friend of ours, uh, which actually came with us to um, Fashion Week. We wanted him to create. Um, we, we, we wanted him to create all the content for, mm-hmm. and the campaign for LA Fashion Week. But besides the point, by that point, we, um, we learned how to do also social media marketing. Instead of hiring a firm, we did it all in-house. Mm-hmm. So we, tar- we had one person specialize and do this all day long um, where we would create ads on social media. And this is when we started actually getting the first signs of life. <laughs> this yeah, is when we, we got a pulse. We got a this, heartbeat. This is when we started getting a heartbeat. Um, instead of paying a, a firm, we would just put that money straight into the budget for Facebook Ad Manager, mm. also Google Ad uh, Ad Trends. Now we started getting comments, like after like. We started getting feedback. We started getting random DMs or emails. Um, then a lot of people were willing to contribute because they liked the image. They liked the direction we were going towards. And right around that time, we had, an, um, we had, I'm not going to mention the name because it is a very, uh, probably a well-known person, but we had an, uh, an investor contact us that wanted to invest highly in the image, but it would have been in the, um, in the Asian market. Now, it, that we had no problems with one whatsoever, but we wa- he wanted to shift the production entirely in Asia, mm. which we didn't, it didn't, it was one of our pillars. One of our core pillars was everything made in Italy by, um, Italian by Italian artisans or just people that were specialized in the craft, people that were really passionate about what they were doing. Also, it's our hometown. So one of the, that's one of our, um, I, I guess you call it requirements or aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we turned out that offer which it was, I guess you could, I mean, it depends how you consider, what you consider a logical move, but financially logical, it was not, that's for sure. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So um, we turned it down, keep our heads up, and just literally probably a week or so after, we heard back from um, a week or so, no, not definitely not, definitely not a week or so. What do we do after the... Directly after the Facebook ad manager. Then LA Fashion contacted Yeah, it was LA. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So about two weeks after, I guess you could say, is uh, when we got contacted by LA Fashion Week where they wanted us to perform at LA Fashion Week for fall winter. Okay. Um, so we were extremely, um, I guess, humbled by the opportunity. Um, we had just started out. No experience whatsoever. Can't consider ourselves even in the fashion industry yet. And we are going to be going to Fashion Week. So we did a lot of research, R&D again. And um, we, we also noticed that through Facebook Ad Manager and different uh, ads across different platforms had a lot of feedback in our emails. Like we would randomly receive emails from other yeah. uh, people offering similar products or even completely like different um, marketing approaches like physical advertisements in yeah. Manhattan on billboards, um, uh, wheat pasting. So these were things that we never even knew existed. And also this is actually, I, I forgot to mention this one part, which is this is when we started seeing the first sales. Yeah, um, I was with, I was gonna ask. I'm curious, like where? So you guys you had samples, and then you did the whole yeah. influencer campaign, and and where does production fit into all of this? Like when do you actually have production? And and I was curious what some of the goal of the social media campaigns and the ads you were doing was. Was it just exposure yeah. and growing, or you guys already yeah. had so product up for we, sale? So okay, so when we did the the, the samples, unfortunately. Um, we didn't have a good relationship with this manufacturing. Okay. So the minimums for production were relatively high. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had stock of inventory after a very unsuccessful influencer campaign. <laughs> you could only imagine what is going through our minds at the time. But anyways, like I said, we re-identified uh, our goals. We restructured we kept moving forward, and that's when we started doing the Facebook uh, ad managers, Google Analytics, et cetera. And that's when we started getting feedback, and we started selling, even if it was just 
a few pieces a week, like one or two pieces a week, yeah. three pieces. Sometimes we even peaked off at um, where um, the holiday period came. Uh, we peaked off at maybe like five or six pieces a week, which is definitely a good, good considering yeah. it's funneling. It's it funneling was funneling the traffic yeah. of social media and driving it towards our online platform. Right. So, um, we were, and anything that we had made, we had funneled right back into the budget for the social media campaigns. Okay. At the same time, we were creating um, uh, content, uh, of course, campaigns, different uh, spring summers. We were adding to the collection. So we had started out officially with eight pieces. We started out with, then we grew to 15. Now we are something on the lines of, I believe that we have 43 pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Just about. Um, so quite we, we quite a right, quite a growth over yeah. the last um, eight months, I would say. Okay, and so like, yeah. to re- like to go back a little bit to the production and like the collection growing. Um, I mean, your guys's price points are not low. You've got some T-shirts for like yeah. ninety-eight and jeans for three hundred yeah. plus, and you've got jackets that are upwards of a thousand. And um, so I'm you were able to find a manufacturer who could give you the right minimums because buying that inventory is not cheap. Yeah. And then with that many SKUs. So, yeah. So what we, okay. So at the same time, I guess we forgot to mention, we found a mentor in Italy. She's a relatively famous Sartoria. Um, she produced capsules for very specific people, people. And, um, I guess you could say she she doesn't work with many people, but the ones that she does work with are, are very successful people and um, only of the highest tier, highest quality. Um, but she doesn't do production pieces. She makes one of one pieces. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah. So basically we made Sartoria. How do you say Sartoria? Um, uh, Sartor- artisanal. artisanal Sartorial? Sartorial. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Tutorial. Tutorial. We uh, took the element of making almost like a suit one of one, but we're making it a street piece. So it's literally something tailored. We could make one of one to your size with any customization to it and just make one piece. We don't need to have a hundred pieces minimum. Okay. So after the mistake that we made from the first round where we had stock, the pieces moving forward, were made not in a production facility, but in a almost, I guess you could call it a sampling lab or a sampling facility. So things were made in very small batches, but we didn't have to have a high investment. We could literally make three, four pieces. We could make 10. Okay, gotcha. When Sal says refers to samples, he's referring to the product like as a finished piece. It's not like a sample where it's like missing. Yeah, right. it's not a, a prototype. prototype. Right. Okay. So fully finished. Uh, yeah. Right. We, we, what I'm saying is just low minimums. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're not buying like a hundred of these thousand dollar track jackets. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Thousand dollar track jackets. I'm yeah. like, wow. Exactly. And you've got 43 SKUs. I'm like, where is this money coming from? I just, I got it. Yeah. No. Okay. no. 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 Okay. We were fortunate enough where we now have both ends of the spectrum, where we have manufacturers who can pump out like these hundred, two hundred quantities, so on and so forth. And then we also have one these artisanal houses, artisanal shops, if you will, that will make these one-of-one quote samples, like these finished pieces for us. So that way, you know, we, we can be a little more dynamic and flexible with quantities and, you know, be a little more conservative and smart and wise with our financial investment. Yeah. yeah. Also, these pieces, these places where we were making our pieces in, uh, the, the, the labs, it, they are, ev- everything is made in-house. Nothing was being outsourced. So that was amazing. It, it was almost like we were part of like some big fashion brand now because <laughs> everything is made in-house, made by the person itself, as opposed to shipping something to here, then waiting for this person to get back to do this. You know, so it, it reduced the times for sure. And we were able to have full control of the production. Not only that, but we also believe 
part of the quality that we produce is due to the fact that it is a small operation. Therefore, the amount of attention that can be given to one specific item greatly exceeds a huge manufacturing facility because you have hundreds of products, hundreds of employees. There's no really, you know, you can't give that eye that you can when you just make a one, one item. You know, you could look at every single centimeter of the product and give it a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, for example, like, let's just say one of, one of the track jackets, um, so what do you have, like one or maybe three of those actually in stock? So if someone orders off the website, then it might be gone tomorrow. And then what if, like, yeah. I want it, and how long do I have to wait? Or, like, what do the logistics of that actually work out to? Got it. So so we actually funneled everything down to be super simple, super easy. Okay. Uh, we had, I think we have, like, I think 14. Four, let's just say for the blue one, I was actually looking okay. at it today. We have 14 of the blue ones, but let's just say today we sell out 14 and then tomorrow you're browsing the site and it says sold out. You could always email us what your size is. We could send you a link where you could purchase it. We place the order. I'll call Italy, right? For example, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And in about five to six days, we could have your piece being able to ship out. Oh, it's very fast turn. Very fast turn. Very fast. Yeah. Very fast. Thanks to being such a small order and it goes to like this house yeah you know that yeah they're doing one of one pieces like for them that's the preferred method you know they want yeah. just one and it just makes it easier and then right. it just it makes it faster it's not like a lot of these manufacturing facilities um i mean if, if people work with large manufacturing facilities if you give them a small order they just place you at the back of the line yeah, yeah. I'm and <laughs> and you just have to, yeah, yeah exactly so uh you're constant you could be waiting even a month two months for your order to be fulfilled many months whereas yeah. these smaller facilities are just producing two or three pieces a day so let's just say their bulk of the order is maybe 20 pieces that they have you're just on that third or fourth day. You're not really being pushed back weeks or months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also established such a really good relationship with these um, manufacturing facilities where um, if, for example, um, we actually could have them ship it directly from Italy. They don't need to ship it to us where we ship it to the client. They'll cut us out entirely and ship it from Italy where it's being made because they do have our boxes. We've left oh. them everything to be okay. Yeah, fulfill, to fulfill the order. So all we do is literally just email them or in many cases call or text them the, the address and they'll ship it out. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So, okay, so you, you, um, you know, slowly were ordering really, really, really small production through these artisan sort of houses yeah. and... Um, you know, really kind of pushing the social media and the ads and sales were slowly funneling through the site. Holidays increased a little bit. Um, here we are in March, 2018. I know you guys, or 2019, I know where I'm at. Um, and, (laughs) and you guys, all three of you have now quit your jobs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All full time. What was the tipping point? that sort of yeah that like i mean i know you said big risks take uh equal big rewards and and i get it like i've i've taken some big risks in my life and i've quit my job when i didn't really have a plan on the other side but it's worked out in the long run so i'm fully supportive of this but i'm curious to know like what was the tipping point that you were like okay we're ready to do this full time and like jump off this this cliff and we don't know if there's a net underneath (laughs) well I guess I just wanted to point out the fact that it's actually uh, unbelievable that we're on the phone now is let's just say I, I can't mention who yet, but we first, we signed our first contract with an online retailer today oh. where we're going to be, yeah, Congrats. so we're going to be distributing to them. Thank you so much. And for us, it's just insane how we had our show on Saturday. We had amazing feedback and press interview. We had six, four, Five inter- four to six interviews. I don't remember. I really don't. Four to six interviews between. There, there was four interviews on the red carpet, and then another two or three. Yeah. Directly after we finished yeah. our show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, we've had a, an insane week where we've been waiting for this week almost two and a half years, three years. Yeah. Um, 
So we signed our first retailer today, which we're extremely excited about. Yeah, that but is very exciting. The, the tipping point was when I called Angelo, I personally, and I'm sure he was feeling the same thing, um, we were almost trapped doing things that we really did not enjoy doing. We woke up in the morning miserable. Mm -hmm. And if you're 22 years old waking up miserable, there's something going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> And it didn't get to the point where, like, even my parents were like, are you feeling okay? Oh, yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. And you just go on without your fun about your day. Yeah. So, yeah. So. At, at our fashion show, um, we had 800 people at our specific show. And it was just an, in, an insane feeling of satisfaction that all of the months of prepping and planning and stress what was in years actually of yeah. planning and stress have been worth it and um it just motivates us to keep hustling keep moving forward keep killing it and between all the three of us we're the dream team there's literally nothing <laughs> no obstacle that we can't yeah that we can't conquer yeah. together and uh, it's just an amazing it's the best feeling anyone could achieve period yeah. I think the only limitation we have is ourselves. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, we wake up in the morning. If we have a problem, we look at 30 different um, ways to solve it. And then we appropriate which way is the best one to the fit. One. The, the, the best one that fits our current uh, environment situation. and situation and assess it. So that we can, uh, you know, leverage it to our advantage. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. No, and I mean, it's it's clear you guys are very hardworking and very passionate. And so it sounds like the the job tipping point was you were just like we're miserable and we're young. Yeah. And obviously, you don't have much overhead with kids or mortgages or anything. So you just leaped and said, "Let's do this," and that works often. Yeah. Yeah. At that age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then I would love to hear a little bit more about Fashion Week because I think that. You know, fashion weeks have changed over the years, and some designers are like, oh, I don't know, is it worth it? It's a lot of money and a lot of time. Am I going to get anything out of it? Um, I'm curious to know. I know you said they invited you, which is amazing and, and very humbling, like you said. But did you – what did you do to strategically sort of promote the show and get people to come? And were you thinking about actually getting wholesale buyers there? Or was it more just for exposure or was it more for, like, retail customers to have the opportunity to purchase? Um, and then did this contract – that you signed today come from that like what did that really look like and what were some of the the what was some of the work that went into it and and then the benefits that have come out of it i know it just finished like three to four days ago but clearly it's you you guys seem really pumped about the success okay so before i start with la fashion week i want to give you a little bit of insight to before fashion week and what steps you know, directly led up to Fashion Week. Okay. So um, before LA Fashion Week, we really wanted to funnel um, sales into distribution networks, right? So we um, signed with a showroom in Soho that, you know, exclusively has the rights basically to distribute our products to various uh, retailers and buyers, right? They had in contact a publicist so that publicist melanie she actually helped us tremendously with the outreach to different stylists different um buyers uh um journalists celebrities etc to come to the event and basically view our stuff appreciate the newest creations that we have and expose the brand to a market that I think, you know, is is very, very specific to our niche. I think Los Angeles is gonna be is gonna be one of our biggest consumers. Um I'll I'll continue from, from what Luca was saying was um the as far as the event was concerned, just even two months ago we had absolutely no idea who was gonna show up, how we were gonna invite them. <laughs> Yeah, it was just starting over again, like cold calls. Do we have the cold call? Do we do this? Luckily, when we signed with the showroom, we had mentioned this concern, and they recommended Melanie. Now, Melanie 100% straight up made all of the invites possible. Okay. She sent out invites to all of the celebrity stylists. She sent out to all of the journalists, 
anyone that was that could have helped us outreach or um, achieve an audience and exposure. She made this podcast possible. Yeah, she yeah, she made she made everything possible. Oh. Thanks, man. <laughs> but um, so we were expecting just a few hundred people, and the turnaround was. Like I said, 800 plus people. So she sold out the show. Oversold out. Yeah, we actually <laughs> sold out the show three days before um, the event. But we were we contacted management. We're like, hey, no, no way. We're going to put yeah, more seats because we have people asking us, can they come to the show? Yeah. And I'm not turning them down. So that's basically what happened. And we get, we ended up getting more seats. So luckily we had we were able to seat, seat everybody. Okay. Now, cool. I, so... Yeah. So as far as um, outreach is concerned, she handles everything and we were able to have amazing um, positive feedback from the show. Mm, and then the showroom handles all of the, 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 the sales distribution, which is what led to the sale today, the contract being signed. Okay, so that did which, come, I mean, it went through the showroom, but it came from your exposure at LA Fashion Week. Yes. Okay. So there was, it was a blend. They had, the showroom had contacted this online retailer. Uh, they showed some interest, but after LA Fashion Week, they, they, it was cherry on top. They're like, you know what? We need these guys. You know, yeah. we, we need this line. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And believe it or not, because LA Fashion Week contacted us two months ago, we actually went back to Italy, made a fresh, new line which you know brought the 15 to 20 pieces all the way up to the 43 pieces we have now okay you know so with the help of the showroom who put us in contact with melanie she took care of all the pr which like allowed us to like open our minds to okay what are we what specialties what crazy things are we going to like show yeah, at the right. show you know right so then that allowed us to dedicate all the time to creating this brand new extension, if you will, of a line that we currently had to then showcase at the show. Right. Which then blew everyone's socks off, if you will. <laughs> uh, we got a ton of positive feed after the show, which was always great. Uh, everybody was coming up to us, which was like a humbling and like an amazing feeling, especially after the story that we told you of this like two and a half crazy years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to finally see some appreciation was definitely like uh, a realization and like a refreshing feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that, that definitely was the, to answer your question better said, that LA Fashion Week definitely helped us achieve this contract from today that's amazing and i imagine future ones yeah, yeah yeah that's amazing and um it is really fun to kind of talk to you guys on this this high note because it is, it can be years of just feeling down like you're not making any progress oh, all the way at zero yeah. but then you start getting these really big wins and it makes all that work worth it and i can hear it in your voices so it's really awesome to yeah. chat with you now <laughs> yeah i mean consider consider that like it's just extremely challenging to be able to tell your family and friends um, just two years ago that we're going to start this. You know, a lot yeah. of people are skeptical naturally, and I could imagine why. Uh, it's not something you just pull out of a hat and say you're going to do, <laughs> especially because a lot of people think you're just going to print T-shirts. They don't take you seriously. And for now, being able to tell them, hey, look, we, we got to the show. We had great feedback. We have a contract. We're, we're, we have a contract. Like, what, now what? What are you going to say now? You know? <laughs> yeah. You need five more. Okay. Give us two more years. Not even. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's so true. And, and things I've heard from other guests, for sure. So, you know, if it's any consolation, you're not the only ones going through it. Um, Salvatore <laughs> yeah, and Angelo, this has been so much fun chatting with you guys. Please share where everybody can find you online and connect with you on Instagram. Oh, we definitely will. We certainly will, for sure. Um, yeah. Just reach out to us at Discover Casanova. Yeah, sure. Use our IG handle. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you got that down yeah. right from Mel. Yeah. From, uh, our website is also discovercasanova.com. Yeah. Those are the best places to see all of our lines and future lines. 
Awesome. Yeah. The runway stuff is going to be up soon, so that's exciting. Okay, and so that'll probably be up by the time this airs, because um, that's going to be a little bit from now. So, uh, yeah, we'll link yeah. to all that in the show notes, and everybody can check it out. Um, I'd love to end the the interview with the question I ask every guest, um, very last, and you guys can each take a turn answering this. I won't put. I, I'll let you decide who gets to go first. Um, <laughs> what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Okay, that you wish they would. Ooh. Who wants to take the lead? <laughs> Repeat the question one more time. All right. Yeah, because so, this one's a new one for me. You no, know, it's it's a new one for most people. Um, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? So it's almost like, what would you like to talk about um, in the work that you do, or like maybe talk about, you know, the challenges? And it's not just all like champagne and runway and glamour. Um, you know, yeah. people maybe people tend to ask the same questions or make certain assumptions about working in fashion, but I'm curious to know what is the stuff that you would actually like people to ask you about? Honestly, I would like them to ask me like a lot of the questions that you asked me earlier and you asked us earlier, like what are the, di- like the true difficulties, you mm. know, and this not, isn't just limited to fashion industry, but like any entrepreneurs, like in any business, a lot of people think like, oh, they're so lucky, like, you know, or they had like, oh my God, they had like a great base or something like that. And it's like, it's really not, there's a lot of nitty gritty back end stuff that not a lot of people see and really nobody sees until, you know, we have interviews such as this, where we can actually explain the backstory and show that like, it, it takes a lot of work and, and tenacity to keep pushing forward. You know, so that's definitely a question I'd I'd like to hear more, just so yeah. that way people yeah. understand and vibe with. You I know? I think we could call those the glamour questions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not all about the parties, or it's actually it's never about the parties. It's never about who is interviewing this or who is wearing your stuff. It's really the the difficult questions are are the ones that we I guess wish we could give more insight to if people ask us because. Anyone, it, I guess Mike has the perfect slogan, right? Just do it. Go out, do whatever it is you want to do, but make sure you have a, like a legit business model behind it. You don't need to be submerged into the fashion industry to be successful in fashion. Not that we're anywhere close, but we definitely are now starting to get traction or we're starting to get great feedback. And this is, we're only going to keep the momentum Um. So I guess in fashion, if they ask, you know, like, oh, overnight success or how easy is it? No, it's 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 very difficult. Actually, you know, the best way is of saying it is like, how many times did you want to quit? Yeah, mm. how many times you know? did you want to quit? Oh, That's I probably love the that best, question. That's the easiest way. Like, how many times did you want to quit in this two and a half years? How so, many? You know, and, and <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to share that one, but let's say. <laughs> but you didn't. Uh, though, we're starting sweating right, right now. Right now. We're, we're sweating. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe like three or four times just because of like so many hurdles that we've gone mm-hmm. over, like three or four times a month. That's long. a very I don't know. Yeah. That's probably the, the best. That's the, probably the best question. The best way to put the question. Yeah. I, I, think for me, the, I think for me, the best question would be what's under your nails? Yeah. Like, what the amount of days of just doing things that most people don't do? We wake up at some, we waking up some days at six in the morning and going to sleep at three in the morning. Yeah. Just, oh. No, no. And, and then, yeah. and then repeating that for a month straight. We've gone days where we travel, you name it, we've done it. Like, yeah, we've done solid five hour naps a lot yeah. of the past two years every night. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's, it's very little sleep, a lot of work, and very little um, success. Not very little success. Immediate. Immediate. There's no satisfaction. Yeah. There's not a lot of satisfaction. Very yeah. minimal immediate gratification. Yeah. 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 I love that. And you could almost, you could almost argue that immediate gratification or immediate satisfaction is not the goal. We want long-term. And long-term ones are typically the ones that, are going to make you suffer and, and shed some blood <laughs> for a long period of time before you get that, that high of just satisfaction, you know? Yeah. 
No, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you guys, like I said, are very clearly um, super, super hard workers. You've got a great dynamic amongst the three of you. And congratulations on all your success so far and what's to come. And uh, yeah, we'll be excited to follow along with your journey. That was amazing. Thank you. thank you so much for this. And thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we look forward to talking with you again. Yep, absolutely. So much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you, as well as a big thank you to my husband, Mark, who handles all the tech and editing and makes the show possible, as well as a huge shout out to my right hand SFD team member, Saya. She makes sure that each episode gets published and delivered to you on time. So, big thank you, Saya, for all your help and support behind the scenes. It goes so, so, so far. Uh, as a quick reminder, I will let you guys know again that SFD is way more than just a podcast. What you hear, on the show is just a tiny sliver of what I do and what resources I provide to the fashion industry community. I want to make sure that you get your hands on all my best free stuff. So here's what you can do. Head on over to soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. And I will send you all of my free resources on getting ahead in your fashion career. I've got great stuff on Adobe Illustrator, tech packs, landing your dream job, freelancing, so much awesomeness. So definitely check that out. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes wherever you're listening by scrolling down. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you in the next successful fashion designer podcast episode.